Hey, Power People. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. Morning, Dan. Super excited to be kicking off episode one of Renewable Rides together. Likewise. How was the weekend, first of all? Great weekend. It was really nice to, to get some time outside. I hadn't been out surfing in a while, so I, I got in the water uh, yesterday morning and then uh, had some time with uh, my older boy getting his first putting lesson on the golf course from myself and my father-in-law and then capped it off with a, a nice sunset cruise on our next-door neighbor's boat. That sounds amazing. Cool. Mine was equally as good and it topped off actually an amazing week. I think uh, those that listen will get to know that we believe in work-life integration versus work-life balance here at, at Vector. And last week was the pinnacle of that. We got to hang out in uh, Snowmass, Colorado. We had a work event here, so brought the family out. We worked remotely, got my son in a mountain biking camp, and we attended the first inaugural Volaworth Symposium. So we got to hang out with fellow founders, LPs and advisors who are all connected to Volo Earth. So super inspiring, super motivating. It was awesome to see the the collaboration of everyone coming together to try and figure out how we how we accelerate the energy transition. Yeah, got to top it off with a, a nice hike yesterday up to the top of the mountain and enjoy some nature. And I'll tell tell a bit more about that at the end in terms of a bit of a personal reflection. So yeah, awesome times. Yeah, sounds amazing. I wish I was there and and know that you uh you got a ton out of out of meeting all the great people. And I know that there's tons of people working on different aspects of the energy transition. So excited to hear more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll cover it in uh, future episodes. But today we want to keep it fairly short and brief and kick us off. This is our first one. So we wanted to share why Renewable Rides. And so Dan and I are really excited about bringing Renewable Rides to everyone. We're truly doing this in alignment with our core values. And so First of all, adapting purposely. You know, we're building renewable rides because we see that one of the biggest challenges in the industry today is education and awareness, particularly for business leaders around the world. Access to information, intelligence, new technologies, best solutions, how to approach it, what's working, what's not, how to go on the journey. These are all super challenging issues for customers, business leaders, decision makers, communities around the world. And so we want to bring, uh, a fun approach to the education piece. Anything you'd add to that, Dan? No, I think it's with any transition, this is large, uh, arguably the biggest transition our society's ever faced. There's, we're moving from a, a known environment to a to an unknown environment. So there's a lot of challenges with that, but there's a lot of great minds working on on uh, deploying solutions and, and getting better, better outcomes. And really that's what we, we want to focus on is celebrating the individuals and the, the the organizations that are that are driving the change here. Yeah, absolutely. And so the way we're going to approach it is we're going to do alternating guest interviews and uh, internal conversations with Dan, myself, and the broader team here at Vector. 
So that'll give a nice perspective on seeing the energy transition through the eyes of those that are on these journeys and on a mission to accelerate the energy transition, hearing their stories, and then also alternating that with our reflections on what we're seeing on a on a weekly basis in the industry and reflecting on that and sort of sharing our, our insights. And so that then leads into empowering co-creation. No one business or individual is going to make the impact that is needed. So how do we empower co-creation and ensure that we build a community to do this together? And that's a, a mega part of this is building a really high-powered community that's all in it together, super motivated to uh, get after this together. Yeah. And I think the biggest part of that, when we think about it all comes down to the energy user and, and our large focus is on the commercial industrial space and, and really making it easier for them to pull together all the pieces that are necessary to deploy these types of projects and, and go on their own energy transition journey. I think that that's one of the most difficult things that we found with the, the customers that we work with is really trying to understand the landscape. Who do we actually bring in? Who's necessary? What do we build? So, so really making it easy to put all the pieces together to actually make progress is, is arguably the most important thing. We constantly hear in the news that there's billions of dollars sitting on the sidelines waiting to be deployed into projects. And a part of that is just, as I heard one person call it, they are really focused on being the chief cat herder. And how do we make it easier for them to pull all the pieces together to make, to make this transition happen? Yeah, so true. That naturally rolls into challenging limits. Do you know, I think we're all experiencing and we will continue to experience the, the status quo mentality that is rife throughout the energy sector, particularly. And how do we challenge that status quo? How do we really simplify, accelerate, unlock, and make it fun and interesting and exciting? Because the more fun we make it, the more innovative we make it, the more we can take people on the journey, the more progress we'll make more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And in any transition, you have to challenge the status quo in order to get to that better future state. So I think we, we have a vision of, of what the better future state looks like. It's a matter of executing to get there. That's awesome. So any other personal reasons for wanting to do renewable rides? Really just share information out there with the world. I think to your point at the very beginning, the education is the biggest piece for, for most folks in the industry and understanding what's possible, how challenging or, or, or easy something can actually be. And that's really what we want to expose and, and highlight those that have already gone on the journey, whether they have, have already implemented an energy transition within their personal lives, within their business, or those that are facilitating it through the services, the equipment manufacturers, the investors, all important components of making this all happen. So that's really what I'm excited about with launching Renewable Rides. Cool. We'd say to anyone listening, you know, this is our first episode. We're on a journey together. As with any transition, we need to adapt, learn, and continuously improve. So we're very well you know, open to receiving your feedback, critical or positive or otherwise, and ideas for how we can improve it, topics that you really want us to cover or guests that you want us to host. So please load us up with content. Absolutely. All right. For this first episode, I thought we'd just jump into a topic that is really front of mind for everyone right now. It's July 17th here in the, in the US Pacific Coast. And we're seeing some of the hottest days on record. 110 million people in the US right now under heat advisory warnings and records being broken left, right, and center. I can't believe it hit 53.9 degrees Celsius, 128 degrees Fahrenheit yesterday in Death Valley. That is insane. How's it going for you, Dan? Are you uh, staying cool? Yeah, well, we're, we're luckily 
closer to the coast and staying a bit cool. But I know that there was, uh, I was reading about quite a few kind of heat enthusiasts, if you will, visiting Death Valley to try to see if they could catch the hottest ever recorded temperature on Earth. I believe it was 131 is what the the record needs to be. So it doesn't sound like it quite got there, but there was quite a few people getting out there. And I know it's, I mean, it's impacting tons of people. And and I've, I've heard from some of my friends that are more in the Central Valley that it is absolutely blistering. Yeah. Obviously, the energy transition is focused on trying to manage the runaway temperature increases. And we won't go into that today, but I think we wanted to touch on the impacts, both from a health perspective, from a power perspective, and from a cost perspective, because uh, this does impact all of us. So starting with health, you know, Texas in particular, they've been on the heat advisory now for 32 days straight, which is crazy. You know That puts a lot of stress on people's lives and health. In the US, every year, apparently about 700 people die as a result of heat-related injuries. And last year in Europe, 62,000 people died with that heat wave. So this is becoming an increasing problem. And I think more and more we're seeing cities, communities, countries having to address it and figure out how to keep their society and businesses cool. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as as the, the temperatures rise, the, the need for air conditioner and other climate controlling technologies increases, which increases the demand on the grid. And, and I think you'll be touching on that here in a second. Yeah. No, you're absolutely spot on, you know. Obviously, one of the big impacts of the heat going up is we all need to stay cool. And so we all crank on our air conditioning units or others, which then put massive stress on the grid. Um, you know, There's multiple ways that this can really impact the power grid. One, it can overload our electrical lines and transformers, which can lead to outages naturally. The sustained demand can actually cause equipment to massively overheat because they never get a chance to cool down. Typically, transformers and other things cool down through the night and if we're cranking air conditionings all night and that load stays high, they actually can't you know, essentially recover. And then the last one is lines can heat up, sag, and then if they come into contact with something, short circuit. And most people probably don't know this, but the largest outage in the US was as a result of sagging power lines. 50 million people without power for two days in northeast US and even parts of Canada back in 2003. And that was as a result of lines sagging, touching some trees. And then actually that then com- being compounded with a cyber issue for Ohio Power. They actually got to $6 billion worth of costs to businesses and communities. Yeah, staggering. And, and not to mention the downstream costs that come from those types of events and having to rebuild the infrastructure or, or rethink the infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we're seeing resilience being an increasing issue, aren't we, across the industry? And whether it's heat in this case, or whether it's cold snaps, whether it's hurricanes, whether it's general storms, these all have impacts on the centralized grid. And I think one that's close to home for you is then the risk of wildfires. Do you want to share a bit yeah. of a personal story as to why you're on this mission? Yeah, absolutely. So part of part of what's driving me to to accelerate the energy transition and be part of the distributed generation space is growing up about 100 miles north of San Francisco and Mendocino County, very wildfire prone area, PG&E territory. And PG&E has been responsible for quite a few of the of the power outages. And it happens during high temperature, low humidity, and high wind 
periods and the the power lines blowing. And so one of the things that's happening is that PG&E is is starting an effort to underground their power lines so they're no longer susceptible to those those conditions as long as they're underground. However, back to the costs at a price tag of about $3.8 million per mile, uh, they're planning on undergrounding about 10,000 miles, which is a drop in the bucket of everything that needs to be undergrounded, but 10,000 miles between now and 2030, which is over $30 billion that ultimately PG&E is not going to foot that bill. The ratepayers are. So that's going to get passed on to businesses and, and individuals alike. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I think the risk of wildfires is two-pronged. One, it's the actual risk of there being a wildfire as a result of these outages or short circuits or issues on the grid. And then two, yeah, the utilities now being so concerned about the liabilities associated with the wildfire that they're proactively turning the power off. And you know, we're seeing this having really significant impacts on people all across the, the state and more broadly. I was looking at uh, the power outage stats over the weekend, and I'd say on average, every time I looked, about 300,000 people were without power. So you know, in addition to what we're saying at the start of the health impacts, combine that with then people not having access to the energy to cool their houses or businesses and that the impacts on their health and then the impacts on perishable goods in their properties, the list goes on and the, the cost of those outages are only going up year on year. We were looking, Dan and I, at the the impacts, you know, a year ago, $150 billion as a result of power outages to businesses. So not sustainable. And this is, you know, money right off the bottom line. Yeah. Public safety power shutoffs, where they're, where they're shutting down the power to try to prevent a wildfire is a real thing. And I mean, we've even heard from, from a customer up to seven days so far. Now they're, they're starting to plan for having out, no power for, for 10 days even is what they're, what the, the discussion has been, which is, I mean, should not be happening in our developed country here, but whether for individuals or the safety hazards associated with that or the businesses and the loss of productivity and loss of products. Yeah. And I think this highlights the some of the challenges that the centralized grid is facing. You know, I, I was actually reading Bill Nussi's book over the weekend, Freeing Energy. He has a really good analogy for the power grid as it's set up today. It's like going and doing some gardening in your yard and you're using an extension cord. Someone snips the cord. You can't just bypass around the cord. You know, your power tool goes off. That's really highlights the the risk of the central grid, isn't it? Is there's there's no there's no backup, there's no alternative. You've now just got a snipped cord and you've got to go and replace the cord. And that takes time, it takes money. And so I think that's what really excites us and that something that we're really going to dig into through this podcast series is the opportunity of more distributed on-site energy systems, being able to control your own destiny, not having to rely on the utility or be spending huge amounts of money on renting diesel gen sets or other backup supplies. And how do you actually optimize your business to be able to ride through these changing conditions and do so in a really profitable and sustainable way? Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking of quite a bit about it and in no other environment that I can really think of would a business tolerate a supplier of any goods or services to have a declining product, a product that is not as good as it used to be, yet is more expensive. Uh, yeah. Yet that is what people have had to tolerate from, from the utilities. These are these are regulated monopolies in most cases, or even if they're not in their in deregulated states, there's still a centralized infrastructure. And so if, if the product is getting worse, 
and the price is getting more expensive, historically, there hasn't been an alternative. The beautiful news is with the, the, the decreases in, in costs of these distributed technologies, the accessibility to capital and really easy tools to determine whether or not it makes sense. And there's a business case there. There is an alternative. And I think that's yeah. a really exciting thing. And it's been, it's, it's, it's been complex and, and challenging, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and the more we can make it accessible, the better it can be. And, and people don't have to be beholden to a single supplier. They can actually supply their own electrons in this case. Yeah. No, that's spot on. And I think we're seeing that in Texas right now. I think the day ahead prices just in the last few days, $2.50 a kilowatt hour. You know, normally they should be 12 to 30 cents, maybe, you know, and you know, that's daylight robbery. And how can you plan and run a business when you're being exposed to those sort of fluctuations in costs? So I think you're absolutely spot on, Dan. And I think uh, that comes back to why we're doing this. It's about educating people as to they have options. They don't have to just rely on the, the utilities and the grid and the monopolistic models that have been kind of designed over the last hundred years. Let's let's. let's buy into a system that's going to serve as well for the next 100 years. Yeah, 100%. It's an exciting journey where, where certainly it's there's been pioneers doing this for, for decades, but you can really start to feel the, the inflection point that we're hitting. We're seeing the regulations here in the US change and the incentive structures change. So now it's really a time. I think a lot of people are opening their eyes to the possibilities. Yeah. And so let's just close with a few personal learnings. I think uh, very topical to this conversation is you've just experienced this with your own home and home connect. And do you want to just share a bit about your kind of yeah. journey to get to this point and um, what your learnings were through this product? Yeah, absolutely. So I've, I've been on my own personal energy transition journey since purchasing my, my latest house almost three years ago at this point. First thing I did was was put solar up on the roof. It's a beautiful south-facing roof. It's perfect for it. And I've started to electrify my home. So no longer have a have a gas stove. It's a, an electric induction stove. I've replaced the, the furnace with a heat pump. And so I've got a couple more things that I still need to do. But I've got a really interesting monitoring technology called Sense for my own home. But the, the big realization that I had was I've heard about Home Connect and, and this kind of not true demand. It's, it's a demand response like program, but I've never actually gone through the effort of signing up for it and, and getting going with it. Well, it wasn't until the end of last week when it was presented to me through Sense that they have this partnership with a very easy onboarding process to now get the alerts that say, oh, there's an there's an ohm hour coming up tomorrow from 7 to 8 p.m. And I think the, the biggest learning that I took away from on a personal level, and I think we need to we need to bring into the business space is that people have good intentions. I work in this industry. I want to go on this my own personal energy transition, but I didn't act until it was presented to me on a silver platter. People have great intentions. They want to decarbonize. They want to lower their costs. They want to have more resilience. But until it's made extremely simple and straightforward and accessible, they're likely not going to go on it because people are busy. People have their day jobs. They have other the status quo that the inertia of the of the reality of today is hard to overcome. And so that was my biggest takeaway is once it was presented to me in a very simple, easy to use way, I jumped on it. But before that, I didn't. And we need to do the same for, for, for businesses. Yeah. No, it's amazing, isn't it? And I think for those that aren't aware, Home Connected is essentially you get notified when to shed, you know, turn off some of your utilities or energy consuming devices to support the grid, essentially. 
this time last year in the same week that Governor Newsom declared that they were going to phase out the, the sale of gas-powered vehicles and it was all going to shift towards electric was the same week that people were being asked to not charge their vehicles because they needed to conserve power to ensure that the grid stayed up. And so programs like this, being able to provide businesses and residents the ability to contribute to ensuring that we all keep the power on, super important and really interesting. I think we're only just getting going with it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything uh, anything that's jumped out at you recently? Yeah, for me, actually, this weekend was a big kind of reflection, I think, for many, many in our network, you know, broke my wrist. And so while the family was out doing awesome, adventurous stuff, you know, I, I kind of reverted to something that I've always loved doing, but I haven't done a lot of in recent times is getting out for a hike. And so going solo, I think the big learning was in today's world, everything is happening at 100 plus mile an hour and everyone expects everything to be done tomorrow. And it just made me realize that the energy transition is a super long journey and we have to be patient. We have to be empathetic, but we also have to be very comfortable with the fact that we're on the journey and there is never going to be one final destination. We have to kind of continually adapt and embrace it and be comfortable in our own heads, challenging the norms and the status quos. And so there's no better way to kind of get that thinking time and get exposure to the parallels of business than being kind of in nature, embracing it and uh, kind of going on on that journey on a personal level. Yeah. It's amazing how the, how the world works. Uh, you've, you've, you've been forced to slow down a bit with, uh, with your broken wrists, but uh, I'm already seeing, seeing some good learnings coming out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got to kind of embrace the opportunity, haven't you? And see the positives in these things. So we're all going to see setbacks. We're all going to see bumps in the road and, this is kind of why we're in it together. We have to help each other figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, super excited to, to share with all of our listeners, all the great guests that we'll be bringing on. We do want to hear from everybody. If there's someone in particular that you want to hear on the podcast, we'd love to have you either share the name with us or, or better yet, if it's someone that you know, make an introduction. We'd, we'd love to host people that have gone on the journey, that are on the journey, that are helping facilitate and accelerate the journey. That's what it's all about is, is highlighting the individuals and the, the companies behind all of this to show that it is possible, that it is approachable and share the learnings because uh, there's there's a lot of concern or anxiety in the market of, of what what can happen and what, what we should do. But really, it's about, you know, getting going and acting. Yeah, exactly. What a banger of a first episode. Really enjoyed it, Dan. Super excited for many more. Have an awesome week. Catch you on the next Likewise. one. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cheers. Bye. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks and success stories, we created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself, and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers and have a good one.